If you want to start a podcast, Spotify's got the platform that lets you make one smoothly, then distributes it everywhere, giving you the ability to even earn money all in one place, and it's called Spotify for Podcasters. They even let you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today, and best of all, it's totally free with zero catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for podcasters, uploading, scheduling, and sharing on the road has been extremely easy. So if you've been thinking about starting one, give it a try. Download the Spotify for podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com podcasters to get started. These are cosmic bodies that are massive. And to think that their energy is not being, you know, is not affecting us here on earth. When these are massive cosmic bodies that hold huge amounts of energy, and that's what they function off of, then all we need to do is understand that energy, you know, and that's the beautiful part of astrology. Hello, everybody. Welcome and thank you for tuning into today's episode, Connected Through Spirit. I am very excited and I've really been looking forward to this conversation today with my dear friend Sage. Sage is a teacher, she's a plant-based yogi and an astrologer. She's been studying astrology and numerology professionally for the last three years. And of course, since we're going to be speaking on all the zodiacs, here are her three main signs. She's a Capricorn sun, Pisces moon, and Leo rising. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Honestly, before we even got onto this conversation um we were talking about you know what are some points that we wanted to hit today and last night I caught up on your astrology forecast of the week and I was like oh my god this is so aligned with everything like you told me you had just spoken about this so I I feel like I dialed in for this conversation beautiful I love it tapping into all of the downloads the frequencies so much is unfolding in 2023. We've got a lot of big cosmic events, even just the way we started this year. So much divine energy came in and asked us to sit with it, right? We were not moving much during the beginning of this year. It was a lot of slower energy, a lot of retrograde energy. So I know we can dive into all of that, but definitely that has been the energy that's been permeating a lot of us recently. Yeah, definitely. Even just within New Year's, I feel like a lot of us chose to stay home this year. Um, It was just a big, you know, pattern that we all kind of took forward. So I can definitely see that. Beautiful. Yeah, I felt that same way. You know, when I was, you know, looking at the energy of 2023, and I was looking at what is, what is it that we're entering this year with? What, what is, universe asking us to sit with to lean deeper into and you know we started out 2023 we had three planets soon to be two but we've had three planets in a retrograde mercury retrograde mars retrograde and uranus retrograde so that's three planets two of which are personal planets mars and mercury are very close to earth so their energy affects us even deeper um, then even Uranus, Uranus is going to be a little bit more of a societal influence, but we are experiencing so much retrograde energy, which retrograde is simply a slowdown, a cosmic pause. It's like putting the brakes on and it's asking us to do all of the reflection, all of the retrospection, all of the, um, you know, looking back in order to look forward. 
And that's a typical thing that happens during retrogrades anyway. But of course, it happened at the beginning of slash end of the year. So it already is a reflective time. That's a lot of what people are doing is considering how 2022 went, how 2023 can go even better. And mm. not only that, but the universe has aligned us to really sit with that question even more because that was what we were being asked to do. It was not, like you said, to go out and party and you know do all of that outward energy expression. A lot of it became a lot more of that inward energy expression. Mm. Yeah. I'm so excited to dive in to what you have to share with us today. Um, before we go ahead and do that, why don't we talk about the foundation of astrology and where that really comes from and why it's so important for us to be able to tap into that, what our ancestors used to tap into. Um, also, a little birdie told me um, that your astrology story of creation was really special and worth the share. So if you do feel called to share that as well. Definitely. Um, yeah, you know, when it comes to astrology, this is an ancient study, an ancient science of the language of our stars. You know, back before we had technology, before we were so inundated by screens and all the stimulation they used to go outside and look up at the stars and that was the entertainment. And, you know, they would track the movement of these stars. They began to notice that certain stars shined brighter than others, that their movement was clearly evident. Um, unlike the more fixed stars, there were certain ones that moved. They became known as the wandering stars, which is also where we get the word planet from. So planets became what the ancients used to watch. They used to notice the, the movement of the planets and how that correlated with the fixed stars, the constellations that it was moving through. And, you know, mm. this was the map we use. You know, if you were an, a navigator such as Christopher Columbus and you're out there on the open sea, you don't have a road. You don't have, you know, any sort of landmarks to guide you. You only had what was above you. And so they use the stars as their guide, as their map. If it wasn't for astrology, we might have never founded the Americas because this is the foundation of so much of our culture, of our history. You know, you can look back and you can track astrological events in correlation with a number of historical events. And, mm -hmm. you know, astrology is a study of energy, which if we bring this into more new age concepts, into, you know, quantum physics, um, all of these different ideologies that have become more pronounced as our society has evolved, you know, suddenly we start to see that as well, that energy becomes a discussion. And it is because energy cannot be created nor destroyed, only transferred. So if we take that idea and we expand it out to the heavens, understand that these are cosmic bodies that are massive. And to think that their energy is not being, you know, is not affecting us here on earth. When these are massive cosmic bodies that hold huge amounts of energy, and that's what they function off of, then all we need to do is understand that energy, you know, and that's the beautiful part of astrology. Um, you know, it's a lot of people like to point the finger at astrology or, you know, skeptics like to say, I don't believe in it. And that's mm. like saying, I don't believe in geometry or algebra, right? It's better to say, <laughs> you know, I don't understand it. Right. Because right. this is a science. This is not something mm -hmm. that really is uh, up for debate or opinion. Right. This is something you can track, not just in terms of 
you know, actual events in history, but this is mathematical. This is scientific. In fact, a lot of the math and science that we use today, it be, it came into being because of astrology, because we needed a way to track the heavens. We needed a way to understand their influence. And so certain mathematical sciences came about as a, as a re- result, basically, of the use of astrology. So not to go too deep on a tangent, but, you know, this... This is a study that's permeated civilizations throughout history. It it dates back to Mesopotamia, right, which is one of the first civilizations known to man. So there is a lot of ancient roots and history behind astrology. You know, as um, the revolution came and the church took over and the scientific revolution really took root, a lot of astrology got pushed on the back burner, got put off into pseudoscience and, you know, mm. occult studies. Um, and it's finally started to make its resurrection back into current, you know, modern society. We're seeing tons of people on TikTok and Instagram, you know, and podcasts, obviously like this one talking about it. Um, and that's really, you know, beautiful to witness. And of course it does obviously have its own astrological flavor. There's a reason why astrology has made a comeback recently. It's coming back. Um, yeah. It's definitely coming back. Yeah. Wow. I love that connection. And, and even like, tapping into the conversations that we're having and the ideas that we're having that is similar, right? It's like, we're these antennas and we're just tuning into the different frequencies of each other, which is pretty much all correlated to the, to the stars and what's happening in the stars and how it's affecting us. And if we're, if we're actually out and speaking with people and opening ourselves up about what's happening in our, in our inner lives and our outer lives, we can find that correlation as well. So I always say, you know, when it comes to astrology specifically, um, if you don't believe it, it's really because you don't understand it. And, and, you know, maybe just maybe because spirituality and this, like, this, like new age spirituality has, has became like trendy. Um, maybe a lot of people have put everything they have, you know, on things like astrology. And if one thing feels off, then it can completely throw them off with, with the whole idea of astrology. And now, you know, they're turned off by it. And, and so I really think it's one of the things that we have to really get deep and and understand it, you know, within our, our own selves first in order to, to really come to terms like, oh, shit, this is actually, this is a thing, you know, and I cannot run away from it. Definitely. Yeah. Astrology. I love how you put that. You can't run away from it because it's you. This is your energetic blueprint. When we look at a person's astrological birth chart, simply put, what that is, is a depiction of what the stars, the night sky, the universe, basically what it looked like, where everything was placed in the sky at the moment of your first breath. We take that moment and we stretch it out over an entire lifetime. So all of the energy that was present in that moment, all of the challenges, the difficulties, the frequencies that were permeating, that were more prominent, that is going to become your energetic blueprint. That is what is becoming your cosmic thumbprint, so to speak, right? This is what makes you you. And that is why no two Aries, no two Libras, no two Capricorns are the same. Because even though you might share that sun sign frequency, there is so much else if you look up into the sky to think that, yes, the sun is massive and it matters, right? But it's not the only thing 
And not only that, but how do Mm. other planets form a relationship with the sun? All of that matters in astrology. And so, you know, it's a tool for self-understanding. It's a tool for self-mastery. This is you being able to objectively look at the energy that is present within your being, within your life's journey. And it gives more power to who we are, to our existence. It gives us, you know, like a tool belt, you know, or an arsenal. What is it that we have to land on, to draw upon if we're feeling confused, if we're feeling Mm -hmm. lost or stuck with something or somewhere in life? You know, we can look as above, so below. We can look to the stars. We can look to the heavens. So many of us, Mm -hmm. when we feel lost, where do we go? We look up. Right? That's a natural mm. human tendency. When we feel like I need an answer, we all look up. And so wow. astrology just expands that and it, it gives it meaning. It gives it language and it helps mm. us. It helps us to really put a name, put a, uh, an idea, a concept behind what we energetically are feeling. Yeah. More grace with ourselves, more understanding of like who we are, why we are the way we are and how we can better fix that too. Because not not even to mention that your cosmic blueprint isn't to say that you're going to be that you are this person forever and you have no choice upon that. Right. It's just giving you the the blueprint simply and you create the foundation from that. I exactly. love how you said that. I you are building you... the house. Yes, exactly. Mm, so good. OK, so with that being said. Um, let's just do a quick run through of all the signs and, and, you know, their elements and what they really mean, you know, for any, any newbies that are listening to this. So when it comes to the signs, understand that everything we're talking about, when we talk about the signs, it's all energy, it's all frequency. These are energetic archetypes. If you understand an archetype is simply the general expression of an energy that knows no borders. It permeates all of civilization, all of humanity. This is an energy that everybody, no matter where you live, who you are, what color you are, what gender you are, what age you are, you've experienced this energy or you can understand this energy. This is something that we've all had within us. So when we look through the 12 signs, we're looking at their elements, we're looking at how they're rooted in nature, and then we're looking at how that energy is expressed And what frequency is it on? You know, every frequency is different. It's like a radio station. You know, you can tune into country music, pop, rap, whatever you're into. (laughs) And, you know, that's like turning the dial on the Zodiac wheel, right? And all of it's considered music and all of it can go together. But let's be honest, sometimes the two energies, the two frequencies, they don't align, right? There can be that um, dissonance that happens. Mm. And so that also happens between signs. So just putting that out there, you know, there's no good or bad. There's only a positive energetic expression or a positive vibration and a more so negative one, right? The shadow side and the light side. Shadow. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, So diving into the 12 signs. So, you know, we obviously we have the four elements, fire, earth, air, water. Now, within those four elements, they get broken up into three different modes of expression. And this is cardinal, fixed, and mutable. And so every earth element, you know, earth element in general, it has three signs to it. Fire has three signs to it. Um, and that those three signs, you know, times the four elements, that's how we get the 12 zodiac signs. Um, and so starting with Aries, Aries is a cardinal fire sign. Cardinal signs are initiators. These are self-starting energies. It's the pioneer. 
being in a fire sign, fire is the spark of life. It's heat. You know, the sun is what gives us life and the sun is fire. In fact, the sun is exalted in Aries. Um, so this is a great placement for it. Aries is cardinal fire, which means it is the spark of life, the spark of inspiration. Fire signs are bold and confident. And Aries is nothing short of that. Aries energy is here to, it's the baby of the Zodiac, right? So it can be that more naive energy because there's nothing behind it. But at the same time, Aries is the first one to walk through the door. Aries is the one that's going to show up first. That's going to go out there boldly and, you know, take action. It's ruled by Mars. This is the sign of action and, you know, in a lot of ways, confrontation, aggression, Aries on a shadow side, it can be very aggressive. This is a sign that does well with conflict. Um, they can be instigators in some ways. They're very impatient. Aries is about speed. You know, Mars likes to slice and dice. Mars is all about cutting away things and going quickly, right? It's not a, a soft energy. And Aries wears its heart on its sleeve because it's passionate, but it's definitely one that has a lot more fiery grit ambition. It doesn't always hold it though. And that's the thing. It doesn't always hold it. Aries tends to fizzle out. Um, and that's simply because you know, it's here to start something. Aries is like the lighter that, you know, you, you mm. flick it on and it, and it gets things started, right? You can light a candle, you can light something, but that's, that flame is not going to stay lit. And so that's why we always have an earth sign to follow a fire sign, right? And there's a reason, there's a natural order to this, why the elements go in the order that they do. So we have a fire sign and then immediately follows an earth sign. So that's when we get into Taurus. Now, now Taurus is uh, a fixed Earth sign. So Taurus is ruled by Venus, opposite of Mars. So we've got this nice Venus-Mars opposition here between the two signs. But, you know, Taurus is here to ground the dreams, the actions of Aries. Um, you know, Earth is here to get actual fire. If we look in nature, you can't have fire without Earth. You need the logs to get the fire started, right? You need that material presence for fire to be what it is, for it to have purpose. And that is what Taurus is here to do. Taurus is fixed earth. Fixed signs are about maintaining and sustaining. These are signs of consistency. They are in the middle of the season, right? Unlike Aries, which starts the season, it starts in spring in a lot of ways. Um, our our year should actually be starting in the spring during the spring equinox, which is right when Aries season begins. So mm -hmm. following this, we have Taurus. Taurus is going to take the actions of Aries and put them into form. Earth signs are here to give form and structure. And that is what Taurus does being that it's in the middle of the season, right? It's right in the middle of spring. This is why it's constant energy. It's a very consistent energy. A lot of people that have a lot of fixed energy in their chart, they have no problem following through, which is beautiful because like I said, Aries does struggle with follow through. So then we get to Taurus. Now, Taurus also rules over the five senses. Taurus is all about the sensual nature of things. It's ruled by Venus. So it appreciates luxury. It appreciates comfort. It appreciates things that are materialistic, right? This is about matter taking form, right? So Taurus loves everything it can see, hear, taste, touch, smell. That includes everything with nature. This happens during springtime. So the, you know, the, the flowers are blooming, the birds are chirping, and Taurus is appreciating all of it. This is the sign represented by the bull. The bull is a twofold bull, right? The bull is either the bull that is charging that you cannot stop, which is that 
very steadfast workhorse energy that Taurus has, or mm -hmm. it is sitting bull. And so what does sitting bull do? It does not move. Try to get a bull to move when it doesn't want to move. Good luck. That is Taurus. <laughs> <laughs> so it is stubborn, right? And again, I, I don't want to go too deep yes. on the stereotypical qualities because understand that every sign has a function, right? And the right. reason why we have certain keywords for signs is because if we go deep enough into the qualities of that energy, we're simply pulling out the words that can represent that frequency best. And so with Taurus, we can say that it's consistent. We can say, sometimes people call it lazy. This is a lazier energy. It's not quite lazy. It takes its time in doing mm. things. It's a slower energy. And it also is thoughtful. Earth energy takes practical thought into consideration. It's not going to just jump into something. You know, Aries on, is very spontaneous. It'll, it'll be very impulsive in nature. It'll, you know, it'll shoot first and then aim. Taurus is going to take its time to aim. It might not shoot till the next day. Some call mm. that lazy. Some call that, you know, the tortoise and the hare, right? So this is the Taurus energy. Now, after Earth, we get the next element, which is air. And air is giving movement to Earth, right? Air is breathing life into Earth. Earth can get stagnant, right? I, I understand. I have a lot of Earth energy in myself. Earth can get very stagnant, very stuck in the mud, which is very Taurus energy. So then we get Gemini and Gemini comes in, you know, Aries is the initiation, right? Aries is that spark. Taurus is that, that grounded, I'm going to give form to it. But now when you get the spark of life with that grounded matter that Taurus represents, that creates movement and that's where air comes in. So Gemini is the sign of the twins. This is the first sign, of course, one, two, and then we get the split, right? So Gemini comes in, air mm. energy very yang you know um understand that the zodiac sign goes yang yin yang yin so we start with aries is yang this is also a masculine sign then we go to yin which is taurus this is also a feminine sign and then back to masculine so gemini is masculine it is yang it is air fire and air complement each other that's why every other sign in the zodiac complements really nicely signs that are next door to one another they need each other right? One gives life to the next and the other one is what's giving the grounded result of the previous. But at the same time, the two are very different energies. Whereas Aries, Gemini, fire and air, similar energies. So Gemini is ruled by Mercury. So this is an air sign that loves to talk. This is the chatterbox. This is the multitasker of the Zodiac. Geminis love to do five things at once. If you can imagine a computer screen with 50 million tabs open and song playing in the background and a Netflix movie being downloaded and every other thing, I see you pointing at yourself. <laughs> I know your Gemini moon is talking. <laughs> this is Gemini, right? This is the energy of, I want to, I want to get as much information as possible. And my mind is constantly on go. You've got a lot of Gemini or air energy. You probably have a hard time turning your thoughts off. That's okay, right? That's your function. Gemini is here to collect all the information. So now Gemini steps in and it's like, all right, let's let's weigh this out. I need pros and cons, right? I need to, to understand both sides. And that's why Gemini being mutable air, mutable is changeable. So it's a bit more mm -hmm. of a scattered energy. And the purpose of mutable signs are to give way to prepare us for the next season coming up. 
So it's that sign that is that in between. It's like that in between from spring to summer when it's still a little bit damp and cold, but it's starting, the sun is starting to shine more, right? This is Gemini energy. And eventually we get to, you know, the next sign, which is cancer and we're full blown in summer. But Gemini is, all right, you know, I'm going to be more adaptable, more adjustable. You know, air is, doesn't take much form. Air just flows. And so that is Gemini. It can be very quick on the move, but scatterbrained. Again, this is air that's scattered. So it's your thoughts all over the place. But at the same time, it's collecting a lot of information. And it's being that it's ruled by Mercury, its ability to express and communicate that information is on point. And so that's mm-hmm. the nice part about Gemini. Now it's the twins, Castor and Pollux. These are twins that are, you know, very, um, very. <sighs> different. They want to weigh both sides. It's like the devil and the angel, right? We want to, we want to see things from multiple perspectives. And that is the function of Gemini is to give us multiple perspectives. That's what we need. That's what we want. Yes. And honestly, um, I've been tapping into my Gemini qualities within the last few months. I've actually been looking back and all my, you know, relationships and everything that, that has been such a Gemini quality of like trying to understand both sides and honestly looking back I'm like oh yeah that makes so much sense like I'm I'm usually the one that is able to see two situations understand both situations but usually never can it be reciprocated back to me because I expect others to understand both situations like I do and not everyone does. And so I'm just like, I understand everybody and nobody understands me. <laughs> oh my gosh. You and know, you know, it's, but- it's so interesting you say that too, because right now Mars is retrograding through Gemini. So lots of reflection in that sign. And you mentioned your moon. The moon deals so much with relationships. In fact, a lot of us look at our sun sign to determine compatibility. And that's not it. The moon. Because the moon, mm. like you just said, and I love how you put this, it it gives you an understanding of who you who you, what your basic nature is, like how you feel about yourself, your own personal self-image that comes from your own past conditioning. And you at your core is, you know, the fabric of your soul. It is of a Gemini nature and therefore you you operate from there. You understand that space. But the real test of a relationship is can a partner and your partner understand that space because the moon is so much a deeper part of us. So not to go on a tangent with the moon, but yes, Gemini is, it can see both sides. And that's why, you know, Gemini gets labeled again, back to stereotypes as like this two face energy. Right. It's again, let's go back to the function of the sign. It's here to collect a lot of information from a lot of different perspectives And what happens when we are introduced to new information, we're encouraged to change our minds. And that should be okay, because especially in a sign like Gemini, which is mutable, meaning changeable air, air, the element air represents our intellect. It rolls over that It rolls over ideas and concepts and the abstract. And so when we're being given new information, eventually, if we're given information that makes sense enough, we're going to change our minds. It's the adaptable nature of Gemini. And so if you're a Gemini out there that gets told you change your mind a lot or you don't stick to one thing, again, keep in mind your function is to evolve and grow through learning new information and potentially changing your thoughts on things over time. Mm. So uh, moving into 
what is it, cancer. So we have fire, earth, air, and then lastly, we have water. So water comes as the fourth element. Water cleanses, water gives us purity, right? Water is a reflective element. It is sensitive in nature. Um, it is intuitive. And cancer is all of those things. Cancer is ruled by the moon. This is cardinal water. So it is water that is action-oriented, right? Taking action based upon our emotions. And it's represented by the crab. And, you know, with cancer energy, this is the universal womb. This is the first water sign. In a lot of ways, the first four signs of the zodiac are the primitive energies. They give they give us the start of life. And cancer is that that motherly universal womb. You know, cancer being ruled by the moon, the moon in astrology is considered to be connected to the mother, to that feminine motherly energy. Um, even if we look at femininity in general, you know, women, we experience moon cycles. The moon also governs over the tides, which is water. Our cycles are very water-based. And also, you know, water is an emotional feeling based energy, right? Which is exactly what we're talking about when we talk about cancer. So cancer is the sign of the mother. Cancer is that nurturing energy. It also being represented by the crab is very private in a sense. You know, this is the home body energy. Cancer uh, rules the fourth house in our chart, which you don't have to understand, understand astrology to understand if you're looking at a circle, picture the very bottom of that circle. That is what cancer rules over, the area that cancer rules over. And this is the area of home and our roots and our childhood. And, you know, cancer is the sign that is very protective over those parts of our life. You know, if you've got a lot of cancer energy, you are likely very protective over your loved ones over people that matter to you, especially people that you live with or people that you share a more moonlight connection with, right? And people we share moonlight connections with are people that we feel very connected to on a comfortability level, not people that we maybe just meet out in the world like strangers, but somebody that I can get real with, that I can invite over to my home and while we're all in our pajamas and just talk and vibe, that's that moon energy. And so cancer is the sign of the home body. You know, the crab lives in its shell. The crab doesn't like to leave its shell. If it does, it pokes its head out, does what it has to do, and goes right back in. And so that is the energy of cancer. You know, a lot of cancers like to spend time at home, in their shell, in their space, because you also are dealing with a lot of emotional energy. This is a very intuitive sign. This is a sign that is also very ebb and flow. Keep in mind the moon is the most changeable thing in our sky. It never looks the same from one night to the next. And so that's also why cancer energy is very emotionally up and down because it's being it's being ruled by the most changeable planet, so to speak, or luminary, you could call what the moon really is, in our entire solar system. And so this constant changeable nature of the moon, which reflects right back to cancer, it means that we are very, very up and down. You know, cancer, uh, crabs move from side to side. They don't move in a straight line. And so a lot of times people call cancer energy manipulative, right? Cancer energy is working with the emotional feeling based intuitive energies. And it's not always going to be in a straight line because energy is not in a straight line. If you view energy on a chart, right? What's it doing? It's a wave. It's up and it's mm. down. And that is what's going on with cancer. And don't get them wrong. If you piss them off, they're going to come out with them claws and just nip, nip at you. Because Oof. they can definitely, they can definitely hit you on your side there. They really can. You know, the, the, the thing with cancer is they won't let go. There mm -hmm. is, if you've ever been bitten by a crab, you know, 
They don't let go. And so cancers, they are very loyal to the people they love. They will not let go. There's also a, a slight possessive nature here. Um, not so much like Scorpio, which we'll get to, but definitely, <laughs> definitely there is that sense of once I've latched onto you, once I feel comfortable with you, once my energy has opened up to you, stay right here, right? I, I like mm. you here, stay right here. So that is cancer. Um, I guess we can go into Leo, right? Leo is mm -hmm. a, an energy that you and I both share. Um, it's my rising yeah. and it's your sun. And, you know, Leo is ruled by the sun. Leo is the only sign. It is a fire sign, right? This is fixed fire. The only sign ruled by the sun. And it's also represented by the lion. So the lion being the king of the jungle, of course, Leo is the most royal sign of the zodiac, right? This is the queen or the king of the zodiac. And, mm. um, you know, there's a lot that goes into that, that people may like or dislike about Leo. I know certain signs get more, more flack than others, you know, a little bit more of the negative connotations or the positive. And sometimes Leo gets a lot of the boastful, bragful, you know, egotistical, um, you know, Leos <laughs> are full of themselves, right? The world revolves around Leo. Well, guys, <laughs> let, let's, let's, let's look at this for a second. Leo is ruled by the sun. And the sun is where, right? It's, it's at the center of our solar system. Everything right. in our solar system revolves around the sun. So let's not, you know, push Leo's off for saying what's honestly true. In so many ways, Leo is about attraction because just mm. like the sun, we are attracted to that energy. It is warmth. It is fixed fire. Think about a fireplace also called the hearth. And interestingly enough, Leo rules over the heart. And so there's a huge correlation here between, you know, this very warm, very uh, connected heat that Leo brings. The sun is what lights up our entire world. It, it connects us, right? Because we can see each other. It's the light of the world. So Leo is here to, mm. it, it's basically this first birth of individuality where we can be, we can finally show up in the world. You know, cancer being the universal womb, right? This is the, the, the waters of cancer. The waters of cancer, that universal, that motherly womb is what gives birth to that individuality, that, that first sign of the individual expression of man is represented in Leo. And so, wow. yeah. And so Leo is about self-expression. This is creative expression. How can I show up as my most authentic, most magnanimous, most radiant self? That is the purpose of Leo. And naturally, you can't help but notice the most radiating thing in the room. And so, yes, Leos get a lot of attention. It's also because Leo is a fire sign, right? So it's here to take action, to lead from the front, to show up with courage and bravery and willpower. And unlike Aries, Leo doesn't burn out. We actually see a lot of famous people with Leo placements because not only is Leo the sign of the performer, the sign of individual self-expression and creative expression, but it also is the sign of, you know, this fixed fire, which is not going anywhere. Now that could correlate to like a forest fire, which, you know, is something that we want to tame. And that could potentially mm -hmm. be the more shadow side of Leo is that that fire can rage out of control and it can... Um, start to burn things, any fire sign, right? We have the risk of burning. But mm. with Leo, it's really, that is the function, right? Leo is here to 
show, to perform, to show up, to express. Um, and so that's really, that's really why Leos get that whole, oh, you're so full of yourself energy. No, it's because I am here to radiate who I am. And by default, you're going to notice it. And it gives a, set, a source of inspiration, which fire signs do, entertainment, because again, this is the sign of the performer. Leos are very keenly aware of how you fit into your environment, how you look, who's around you, where are you, what role are you playing in this particular scene? Leo <laughs> energy, <laughs> Leo energy, we feel it. We, we instinctively can just pick up on that. And mm -hmm. we'll naturally adjust to it. Very aware of how others see you. Very aware. Because again, everybody's looking at you. Everybody sees the sun. Can't miss it. it takes up 99% of the solar system in mass. Huge energy. And that is Leo energy. So if you have any thoughts on Leo, I know it is your sun sign, please. I'm just like, y'all better be listening to this because this is the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I love so it. Good. I love so good. And it's it's so good to hear also from start to finish and how everything just makes so much sense. It's like from fire to earth to air to water and then repeats again and how it each complements each other is just so fascinating. Honestly, I love how you explain it. Thank you. Yes. I mean, really, you have to look at nature cycles to understand that yes. this is not something we're making up, right? This is rooted in the natural cycles of this world of our society now and we're just simply putting a name to it so you know again after fire after fire we have we have earth right again just like going back to aries taurus after we have that spark that spark of creativity that spark of expression that spark of inspiration then we ground it into virgo and so now we're into the virgo season which is also the season of the harvest and that matters a lot um, because of the function of Virgo. And so, you know, Virgo, just like just like Leo is that expression, that first expression of that individual man, Virgo is the first expression of the individual woman. Virgo is represented mm -hmm. by the Virgin Maiden. This is the sign of purity. This is a sign also ruled by Mercury. And this is mutable Earth. Again, mutable is changeable, hence why Virgo season happens right after summer as we're entering into fall. And so, you know, with Virgo, again, we have the Virgin Maiden. She's depicted holding corn and she's shucking the corn, right? And what does that represent? She's removing what we no longer need and only keeping what is useful. And that is why Virgo is the sorter of the zodiac. That is why Virgo is the sign of basically looking at things in detail in order to dis discern what is necessary and what is wasteful. Consider the harvest. Again, this is an earth sign. So of course it relates to the harvest. Of course it relates to that earth energy, cultivating the, the fruits of the earth. And so with Virgo season, we're also experiencing the harvest, which is when we basically are taking the crops from the earth and we're getting rid of the weeds. We're getting rid of the crops that are not what we are looking for, right? That didn't fully make it. And we're keeping the crops that we need. We're keeping the food and the sustenance and the nourishment that we need, right? Those material earthly resources. Virgo energy is amazing at basically attracting resources to it, but then also determining what it doesn't need. And so Virgos are very attentive to detail. Virgo is the sign that won't miss a spot. 
Um, and a lot of times this can be considered to be a critical energy. A lot of times Virgos get called nitpicky. Again, <laughs> let's look at the function of Virgo. Virgo is here to tell us what we need and what we don't, what is serving us and what is not. And so naturally we're going to pick apart things because we don't want to keep the things that are not serving us. Virgo is the sign of service. Opposite of Pisces, Virgo is the sign of practical service. This is the sign of helping my fellow man through tangible action. Hey, mm. I just harvested all of my fruit or whatever it is. I don't know if you harvest fruit in the fall, but you know, vegetables, <laughs> corn, squash, all of that. Right. What, and what do a lot of people do? They go to their neighbor, they go to a farmer's market, they serve that fruit, that vegetable, that crop, that nourishment to others. And that's the function mm. of Virgo as well. Now, it's a very detail-oriented, very organized energy. Again, this is Earth, but it's mutable Earth. I always like to say, you know, um, if Taurus was the tree trunk, that very fixed Earth energy, Virgo is like the leaves on the tree. It's still Earth, but it's changeable Earth. Again, this is mutable Earth. Mutable equals changeable. The leaves are always changing, right? Sometimes they're on the tree. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're one color. Sometimes they're another. It is still Earth but it's mutable. It's changing. It also signals the change of a season. And so that really is that Virgo energy. It also represents purity, cleanliness. Again, this is the virgin maiden, purity and cleanliness. Cleanliness is next to godliness. That is the motto of Virgo energy. And cleanliness relates to our spirit. Cleanliness relates to our environment, our homes, our relationships. Virgo is here to rid us of what we don't need so we can level up, so we can improve, and so we can show up better for others. Again, the sign of service, but how, how can I improve who I am? How can I get my things in order so that I can better show up in union? And why do mm -hmm. I say in union? Because of the following sign. Because what comes after Virgo? Libra. Mm, the balance. The balance. The sign of the lovers. The sign of the scales. And it's also an air sign. So it's about relationships. Air signs are about relationships. And so Virgo goes right into Libra. And with Libra, we have the sign represented by Venus, right? We're ruled by Venus, represented by the scales. It's actually one of the only zodiac signs that's represented by a machine, not an animal interestingly hmm. enough, because it's the scales. Um, and Libra is about balance. It's about equality. It's about uh, unity of power, masculine and feminine combining together. You know, we have Aries, which is the sign ruled by Mars, and opposite of Aries is Libra. Libra is the sign ruled by Venus. This is Venus and Mars energy. Libra is the sign of, obviously, Venus, so it relates to relationships. And if Aries is the sign of the self, Libra is the sign of the other. So balance comes in. In fact, fun fact, Libra, the word relates to the way that we track weight. If you notice, whenever we write down how much something weighs, we write the letters LBS, right? If something's 10 pounds, we write 10 LBS. A lot of us probably have no idea what that meant because I didn't <laughs> until I looked it up and come to find out that it actually comes from the Latin word for Libra. Because Libra yeah. relates to the scales and to weight. And so we say if something is 10 pounds, it's 10 Libras, basically. It's the scale. It's the weight. That's that's so funny because I guess I didn't even make that connection because Spanish is my first uh, language. And so then for me, when I, you know, I guess 
when writing pounds and doing LBS, I didn't even think twice. I was like, yeah, this makes sense. The S libras, you know, but just shifting it into English is like, oh, duh. Okay. Makes so much sense. So much sense. It does. The magic of astrology is when you notice it in your everyday life and how it oh shows God. up. And you're like, yeah. okay, this is real. And, you so know, true. so with it is. So with Libra, you know, Libra is all about relationships. Libra is all about finding balance. It's about social justice. In fact, Saturn, the sign of um, society and structure and order, it's exalted in Libra, which is, again, goes back to the scales of justice, the scales of order. Um, you know, Libra is a lot to do with partnership. And this is why in a lot of ways, Libra rules over this, the place in our chart that governs over marriage and one-to-one relationships. Um, Libra finds a lot of wholeness and unity when a part of a relationship with another. And that's a lot of the times why Libras get called um, people pleasers or indecisive, right? That's a huge um, word for Libra that a lot of people, you know, associate with that energy. And again, you know, Libra cares a lot about everybody else and their experience and their energy and, and how they're feeling because Libra is here to harmonize the social fabric, right? The social construct. And so being that this is an air sign, which deals a lot with information, Libra is also getting a lot of information about the people and of their lives. And when we say that Libras are indecisive, you know, consider this. Again, going back to that function of the energy, consider this, that Libras want to make sure that the social dynamics are in harmony. This is the sign of harmony and balance and order. And so, for example, let's say, you know, you've got a bunch of people, a bunch of your friends, and you all are going to go out to eat somewhere. And somebody puts the Libra in charge of deciding where we're all going to go eat. I'm sure if you're sitting out somewhere listening to this and you're a Libra, you're like, oh my gosh, no, don't put me in charge, right? Because Libras <laughs> are not going to want to decide. And why? Why is that? It's not because they're so indecisive. They just can't make up their mind, right? It's because Libra wants to know how everybody else feels about the food that they want to eat. You know, who's allergic to what? What mood are you in? What energy space are you in? Where do you want to eat? And it doesn't want to make a decision that's going to disrupt that social balance, and mm. it's one thing if everybody is coming over to the person's house who's a Libra. Libras are great hosts because they can make sure that every single person's experience is in alignment because they are they have more control. But if I have to decide to make a decision that's going to affect how everybody in the group feels and I don't have enough information to know how everybody feels, I'm going to be paralyzed with that indecision. And so that's why Libras get stereotyped, get labeled as indecisive, can't make up their mind. They need all of the information to, to know that they are maintaining that function of harmony. If harmony is, is knocked out of balance, then so is Libra. And so on an instinctive level, level Libras are looking for that and seeking that. And until they reach that, they're not going to make up their minds as quickly because that could disrupt a lot of that homeostasis that they're shooting for, basically. Wow. Yeah. It's not like that Leo that's like, I have this great Mexican restaurant. I got to take you all to. We're all going. Get in my car right now. <laughs> right. That so pride. Is, yes. Yes. So is Libra uh, masculine or feminine? Remind me. Um, so Libra is actually masculine. Masculine. Okay. Yes, it is. Um, again, you know, going back, 
Virgo is that virgin maiden. It's the more feminine, the more yin energy. So then we have that masculine energy as well. Yeah. Wow. I'm shocked because um, not so much of the Libra, I could see that being masculine, but what follows, which is Scorpio, that being feminine, that throws me off a bit. I'm excited to get into yeah. that. So Scorpio, let's talk about Scorpio because, you know, we have this union, this partnership in Libra, and we're learning how to show up with another, how to live in harmony, in unity. And it's all great, right? Libra's all, you know, happy, charming. You know, Libras are very good at conversation, by the way, very good at social dynamics and kind of weaving through that, good at, you know, adjusting to people and that type of thing. And so Libras are really good on relationships. But then, you know, looking at relationships, once that beginning phase wears down and we go a little bit deeper, now we get to the more shadow side of the relationship. And that's where Scorpio comes in. So Scorpio is a water sign. This is fixed water. It is ruled by Mars traditionally, and it is represented by the scorpion. But not only that, it's also one of the only zodiacs that has a couple of totems. It's also the phoenix and the eagle. Um, and so Scorpio being fixed water, I always say still waters run deep. And take that mm. really, really to the heart because this is a water sign. So water is intuitive. Water is emotional. Water is receptive. It takes on the form of whatever container it is in. And so it's very able to adjust and to adapt and to absorb. But this is water in its fixed form. Consider where you see water in a fixed form. Where do you see it? Ice. Mm. It really is simply that. It is this colder energy this much more harsh <laughs> energy it's water right it has a function and it goes deep again this is water that's not moving think about the bottom of the ocean it is dark and scary down there <laughs> this is scorpio and again there's a there's a lot of value here but it is one of the most intense signs one of the most powerful signs definitely one of the more deep signs. Again, water is, is our emotion. Our emotions, as we know, they run deep, right? And then we feel our emotions. This is an energy that goes, you know, right to our core. And Scorpio does just that. Scorpio is the shadow work. Again, Libras, the relationships, everything is great. We're connecting. There's harmony. Now let's go deeper. What, what traumas do you have? What triggers do you have? What pain are you holding on to? What burdens are you still clinging on to, right? This is the sign that can repress a lot. This is a lot to do with unpacking trauma, unpacking baggage, unpacking the deeper, darker shadow. This is shadow work, really. It's in its embodied form. And a lot of Scorpio, a lot of people who I do readings for that have heavy Scorpio placements typically do also have a lot of trauma. I'm just going to call it like it is. Um, this is a sign that I see a lot of trauma following. And here's why. Scorpio understands that darkness is needed in order for light. It is the sign of transformation. In modern astrology, it's ruled by Pluto, the planet of transformation. And so, you know, Scorpio is about death and rebirth. This is creation and destruction. Um, Scorpio rules over the reproductive organs, which as we know, all about creation, but also similarly can also represent destruction in some ways. Um, and also just like life, 
it has death, right? The two are one and the same. And so Scorpio can understand both sides of the coin of the coin. And it also has been called in this lifetime, whoever you are that you have Scorpio, you've been called in this lifetime to go to the depths of the dark part of your soul, of that ocean of emotion that a lot of people don't want to face. Scorpio is not afraid. It is ruled by Mars. Mars is the planet of battle, the god of war. Some people look at it and say, how is Mars ruling over a water sign? How? how? Mm. You know, it rules over a fire sign, Aries. That makes sense, right? The god of war, we picture fire. How is it water? Well, again, you know, water, water is powerful. Whereas, you know, it's like power versus force. Aries, Mars and Aries is is force, right? We're, we're pushing, we're moving, we're putting energy and action into it. Mars and Scorpio is power. It's deep rooted. It might not be seen, you know, a great example, if you're playing a game and it's an Aries versus Scorpio, you know, the Aries wants to win right now. The Aries is going to take action right now because the Aries cares about now. Scorpio, Scorpio is mapping out the long-term game. It's a bit more manipulative in nature. That's why it can be considered that, you know, energy as well. And it's not in a negative way. It's simply because Scorpio can really feel and internalize the battlefield. You know, Aries can see it and take action quickly. Scorpio might take its time, but when it does take action, ooh, it's like the scorpion. You know, the scorpion, it takes all of its power, all of its, all of its um, poison, and it pushes it to the back of its tail, and it keeps mm. it there. Again, it's mm -hmm. that Scorpio energy that can repress a lot of emotion, that can keep things down. And again, that can be something to be aware of Scorpios because eventually it will come up, right? And that's what the healing is. That's the shadow work, what we feel heals. So you got to feel it. But Scorpions will put all of, that, all of that power and that poison at the bottom of their tail and keep it down there and then watch and observe. And that is why Scorpio has the best poker face and is the best lie detector, the best observer, the one that can see right through. If you have any friends with Scorpio, especially in their first house as they're rising, you'll see there's a certain glare with Scorpios. And it's like they are penetrating your soul because they can see honestly, right through the BS. Honestly, it's what made me fall in love. <laughs> well, hey, it is extremely but powerful. That glare, I was like, oh, there's something about this one. I don't know what it is. And then I'm like, oh, it's Scorpio. Scorpio. It's a glare or it's a gaze, right? Depends on yeah. how you want to view it. Yeah. And it's deep. And so eventually that Scorpion, once it maps out its move, it will, it will take action, right? And then as soon as it goes and it stings, it goes right back. But that sting, you feel that sting. You don't want to mess with a Scorpio. Any Mars ruled sign, Aries, Scorpio, you don't want to mess with them because Scorpios don't let things go. This is fixed water. Fixed signs hold on to something. Scorpios are known for vengeance and revenge and jealousy and, and retaliation. And coming back with a vengeance is very Scorpio energy. So yes, this is deep. This is soulful. This is going to the depths of one's soul. Scorpios are extremely intuitive and powerful. And their reserves of power that Scorpio energy holds is a lot more intense than others. It's a lot to work with. It's a lot of energy to work with. And it can be expressed positively in terms of basically being able to transmute that darkness into light. Or it can be very all-encompassing to where the darkness overpowers and you get really sucked into that more deep 
more sinister energy of Scorpio. It's really a two-sided coin. It can be a little scary for some. If you don't have a lot of Scorpio in your chart, it might feel like an intimidating energy to work with, I must say. Yeah. I think you described that very, very well. Mm. So after Scorpio, (laughs) (laughs) it's a deeper one. I must say Scorpio, I'm going to be real. Scorpio is the one sign that I, I get nervous around. Mm. Maybe because maybe because I'm aware of an energy. I know there's a lot beneath that surface. Yeah. Mm. She gets nervous, everybody. I she do does get nervous <laughs> uh, around them. Scorpios. You might I, don't, I, I also don't have a lot of Scorpio, so actually okay. I have zero, zero. I have no planets in Scorpio, so it's one of those signs that is very foreign to me, or I should say, it's an energy that is just very foreign to me in some ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's really why. Mm. Yeah question before we continue how yeah. are we on time do you have that reading at 12 or is it at 12. like okay is it okay if we push a little longer okay yeah because okay. it's not till 12 and i'm prepared for it so we're good okay Perfect. um yeah thank you for asking so all right so i guess we can go into sag right because we just did scorpio um there's your next one so <laughs> so sag okay so sagittarius comes right after scorpio Gosh, don't we all just rejoice a little bit when Sag season hits? Because Scorpio is deep. Scorpio is a lot of that shadow work. And we're like, all right, I had to face things, traumas, repressed emotions, things I didn't want to deal with. I feel like I worked through it, but now I'm ready to dream bigger. I went down to the depths of my soul. Can I now go beyond, right? I want to now go beyond my my earthly inclination. I want to go beyond the the emotions that are living within me i want to expand outside of myself here mm. we've got sagittarius so yes which which i must yeah. add if you think about it with like the holidays that are in that time frame right it's like november is associated with thanksgiving which is associated more with like sitting at the dinner table and facing yes. your childhood traumas, yeah. facing your family, facing all these things that may come up, these triggers that can trigger you versus going into December, which is Christmas, Hanukkah, I believe, you know, like it, it's, it's a more joyful presence, children, you know, a lighter note versus sitting at the table and facing all your shit, mm. which is Scorpio. Couldn't have put it better. I love that connection with Thanksgiving. I never made that connection. Mm-hmm. So thank you. I I hundred percent agree. Um, yes, because you know Scorpio is a lot of that more deeper stuff that we keep hidden. And like you said, Thanksgiving we all get together, and it becomes that first. It's usually one of the first times in the year when we actually gather as a family. Right, Christmas right. is kind of like a sequel. So. Yeah. <laughs> Scorpio is deep. It's it's work. It's good work though because it can be so transformational. And that's mm-hmm. the beautiful part of Scorpio. So I don't want to get get it, you know, twisted, misconstrued that Scorpio is all, you know, scariness or whatnot. It is also extremely beautiful energy to work with once you've gone through the darkness a bit. Now, like you said, Sagittarius is like, again, this is fire. So all of a sudden things brighten back up. This is mutable fire. So mutable, meaning it's changeable, meaning it is not fire in one place. This is actually the fire of inspiration. If Aries is the lighter and Leo is the fireplace, 
Sagittarius is the cool flame represented by the star in the sky. Stars mm. are massive amounts of fire, but they are so far in the distance that all we can see is that twinkling light. And that's what guides us. Like I mentioned in the beginning, those twinkling lights, that fire, that's what guided the ancient navigators like Columbus through the sea and to the shore. And so this is, Sagittarius is the light of divine inspiration and wanting to seek as many experiences as possible. Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter and it is represented by the centaur or the archer. This is half man, half beast, and he's got a bow and arrow. He's pulling it back. And he's basically releasing that bow and arrow up toward the heavens, up towards that twinkling light. And it's mm. to represent the, the, the dreams, that energy of inspiration and dreaming big that all of us, when we dream, we look up into the sky. Well, Sagittarius is going to take action there because this is fire. And so, you know, Sagittarius being ruled by Jupiter, Jupiter is the planet of blessings and abundance and positivity and optimism. And like you'd said, you know, this is this is the most happiest, right? What do we say? The most wonderful time of the year, Christmas time, <laughs> jolly old St. Nicholas, right? This is the jolly time where you see the word joy written everywhere to represent this happy, go lucky, you know, energetic lively energy that Sagittarius brings back up into our world. Um, it does relate a lot to children. In fact, um, a lot of our inner child can come out with Sagittarius energy. And of course, Christmas time, what better time? We spend time with children, we're buying gifts for children, right? We're just a lot of childhood energy. In fact, just seeing Christmas through the eyes of a child is something we all talk about because it is so beautiful. And you know, Sagittarius is mutable fire. So it's fire that is scattered in many directions. And again, why is that? What is the function of Sagittarius? Well, Sagittarius is basically spirit diffused in many, many, many directions in order to gain as many experiences as possible to achieve enlightenment. Mm. That is the function of Sagittarius. This is the philosopher. This is the spiritual seeker the guru, the one that is going on the spiritual journey to discover who they are and to go beyond their domestic land in search of foreign worlds and foreign lands. And that's why Sagittarius gets very much associated with travel because Sagittarius is connected with foreign energy. It wants to experience more than what it has right here. You know, Sagittarius, again, that Jupiter energy, Jupiter will expand whatever it touches. And this is also why Sagittarius energy is very happy-go-lucky, very life of the party. I find that with Sag energy, especially Sag risings, which I believe is your rising, there's mm -hmm. like, I love doing chart readings for Sag risings because you will smile <laughs> and laugh literally the whole time. I love it. It's oh my just... God. It, it and I it's like without fail like I they'll just be smiling and happy and laughing even if we're talking about things that are going deep there is still that positive optimistic outlook perspective on things that Sagittarius holds mm. so refreshing after especially after Scorpio season Sagittarius again is wanting to go in search of new lands in search of new cultures a lot of people with Sagittarius placements in their charts particularly the moon speak other languages more than one 
um, or especially if their moon is in Sag, they're attracted to partners who are foreign. Um, or if you happen to just have Sagittarius in a place of your chart related to partnership, it would be the same. So this is an energy of wanting hmm. to explore, like exploration. Because what happens when we explore? We gain wisdom. In Vedic astrology, um, Sagittarius is also called the guru or the sage. <laughs> Um, because it does represent wisdom. I always wondered why I wasn't born Sagittarius. I'm five days late, but I do have a big conjunction there. So it, it does come through for me, but I'm like, Sage mm -hmm. the Sag would have just been so good. Anyway. Oh my <laughs> for real. Well, wow. in, in, um, in Indian astrology, I actually have a huge amount of Sagittarius. If you ever look into your Vedic astrology, we in the West study Western astrology. Fun fact. Um, but if you study Eastern astrology, which is also called Vedic, V-E-D-I-C, you can pull up your Vedic astrology chart and everything will be different. You'll be shifted usually one sign back or forward. So I have a lot of planets in Capricorn, but in Vedic astrology, they all shift back to Sagittarius. So my Cancer, or sorry, my Leo rising becomes Cancer, my Pisces moon becomes Aquarius, and my Capricorn sun becomes Sagittarius. So if Whoa. you are interested, yeah, if you want to look into that at some point um, for everybody listening, it is pretty interesting. Um, Vedic astrology actually takes into account the tilt of the earth. So it's actually charting the planets in correlation with the signs that they are currently actually in. Heads up, in the West, we say that the moon is in, let's say, Virgo, which it is today. Um, but if you get one of those apps on your phone where you can look up into the sky and it'll tell you what everything is, you'll actually mm -hmm. notice that the moon will not actually be in the sign or the constellation of Virgo. Typically, will be one sign back. So it'd still be in um, Leo. So just something to pay attention wow. to. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's so much. There's so much to dive into. <laughs> so much. I know that was a bit of a tangent. Um, I don't even know what got me there, but it is pretty interesting to look at. Um, but yeah, so Sagittarius, Sage, that's what we were talking Sage about. Sage of the Sag. Sage of the Sag. <laughs> uh, I, like I said, I do have Sagittarius. It's just not my sun sign. So in Western astrology, it's not really accurate to say it. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So just saying the function of Sagittarius is that searcher, that seeker, that philosopher. And it really is to dream big, to bring as much information that we can into our existence, into our experience, so that we can ultimately grow and expand and evolve into our highest, most enlightened self. Keep in mind, Sagittarius is opposite of Gemini. So Gemini is all about the little facts, right? The pieces of information. It's like, like Twitter, right? It's just like quick bits of information. Compared to Sagittarius would be like, a philosophical essay about all of the facts that that Gemini collected. And the two are complementary. We need both. Right? I, I, I need the facts in order to basically grow and take that information and apply it in a more spiritual sense, in a more philosophical light, and relate it back to my bigger journey in this lifetime. So that way I can use that information for ultimate evolution and enlightenment. Compared to just wanting to gain more intelligence, which there's nothing wrong with, that's just more of the Gemini function versus Sagittarius wants that enlightenment. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of insight for me, honestly, because I have both. And then I have that Leo that's just like, give me the stage and the mic, you know? And so, yeah, I always, 
always seem to, you know, learn new things about myself as we should always be. But yeah, thank you for that. That was very interesting to receive. Okay, so so Sag Fire, that is like what we just finished, right? Because we we are in January right now. Now we are in Capricorn season. Yes. My favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. So how do the two connect, right? Yeah, this is the energy that we are in right now. So Sagittarius asks us to dream big. That bow and arrow is releasing its flame of inspiration out into the world, out into the heavens. And we are just grasping for as much as we can. Now we've taken everything, we've grasped it, we've brought it down to earth. We're taking it down to earth and now we enter Capricorn season, which is an earth sign. This is cardinal earth. It is ruled by Saturn, the first of the Saturn ruled signs that we'll talk about. And it's represented by a couple of different animals, totems. Um, A lot of people say the mountain goat, although it actually is the sea goat. It also has um, correlations with the crocodile and the unicorn. So a couple Mm. of different animal energies. And there's reasons for all of them, um, which I might touch on some. So Capricorn is, again, cardinal earth. Cardinal are initiating energies. This is the season starter. This is the beginning of winter in the Northern Hemisphere. This is the time when things get cold. Saturn is the ruler of Capricorn and Saturn is all the way out there in to the solar system. In fact, um, in traditional astrology, which only looks at the five planets that are visible with the naked eye, because that's all we could do before telescopes, we viewed Saturn as the end or the edge or the boundary of our visible universe. And so it's also the coldest, right? Because the further out you go, the colder it gets. So this is a very cold energy. This is a very restricted more so energy, um, but in a very practical, earthly, grounded type of way. So Sagittarius asked us to dream. Capricorn is allowing us the ability to put those dreams into reality. That's the key word. Earth signs are about what is real, what is practical, what makes sense, right? What can I see, hear, taste, touch, smell? What can I experience with my five senses in my hand, right? Not just in my head, but in my hand. That is the function of earth energy. And Capricorn being cardinal, this is the this is the energy of earth that wants to get to the top. This is actually the CEO energy. This is the boss, the manager type of energy being ruled by Saturn. Saturn is looked at as the authoritarian type of energy of the solar system. So Saturn is like the daddy energy of the planets. Um, or the daddy of the planets, period. So, you know, Capricorn being ruled by Saturn, being an earth sign, earth signs are all about, you know, achievement in the physical. This is the sign of physical achievement. This is the sign of getting to the top. Capricorns can be considered ruthless sometimes because of our ability to just simply see the entire map ahead of us, the entire path, every step I have to take Picture the mountain goat at the bottom of the mountain. If you've ever watched a mountain goat climb a mountain, it's miraculous because how do they not fall? But again, that earth energy keeps them grounded. And they are scaling the mountain. Again, keep in mind that word scaling is important because it implies that we're we're achieving, right? We're growing, we're getting more. 
um, we're getting bigger. And so that mountain goat is scaling the mountain to reach the top, but it will not miss a beat. It does not miss a step. That is the same thing with Capricorn energy. Capricorn energy is going to see the entire path ahead of it and will know exactly what steps to take. Now, this is in the physical sense. Picture this like in the matrix or the 3D. Capricorn energy is really great at basically working its way up in the ranks. This is corporate America at its finest. Rich, white, old men that are ruling the top. This is Capricorn. I actually just heard an astrologer say that and I loved it Um, because it is true. (laughs) This is a very traditional energy. Sagittarius, on the other hand, and Aquarius, by the way, which are the two signs that um, bookend Capricorn, Mm-hmm. they are very wanting to um, express themselves in different ways, right? Like I want to expand. I want to grow. I want to be different, unique. Capricorn's the complete opposite. Capricorn is like, I want to do things tried and true. This is conservative, traditional. Again, this is the CEO that worked his way up in a corporation for 30, 40 years and is now sitting at the top. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we can relate this to our life and understand that, you know, Capricorn energy is here to help us achieve, to help us put into motion our goals, our wishes, our hopes, and our dreams that we received during Sagittarius season and implement them in a way that makes sense in this 3D world. Capricorn is one of the signs that has the best understanding of how to operate in the material world. This is one of those signs. This is one of those energies. If you are like me and you've got a lot of Capricorn, there's a very instinctual ability to understand the workings of the physical, natural world, of the material part. There's a huge attunement to the physicality of our existence. Whenever you've got a lot of Earth energy, but especially Capricorn, because you're using that to ascend. And that's the other part of Capricorn. This is something so overlooked, but yet so rich in in detail and understanding and complexity is that Capricorn is also very intuitive and very spiritual and very connected to the ethereal in some ways. I mentioned it's represented some in a lot of ways with the mountain goat, but it's also the sea goat. And the sea goat lives as basically a, a half, almost like the Sagittarius, that half beast, mm-hmm. half um, human consciousness. But the sea goat lives in the ocean and you know, it the ocean relates back to source, to energy, to well, spiritual energy. You know, to um, our intuition more so, and that is the magical side of Capricorn. I always say Capricorn is practical magic. This is mm-hmm. the energy of being able to work with the element, work with the material resources that we have, especially that Virgo collected and decided what was needed and what wasn't. Now Capricorn comes in and uses those materials and puts them into action because this is cardinal earth and it makes something out of it. And this is why it's practical magic. You know, um, it also is represented by the unicorn. And in the myth of the unicorn and the lion, the lion, AKA Leo, um, the lion represents the ego and the unicorn being a mythical creature. And with the horn, that horn represents spirituality and spiritual enlightenment especially coming right from that third eye. And mm-hmm. in the myth, the unicorn stabs the lion, the quote unquote ego in the heart. And mm-hmm. it represents how spirituality will overcome, will supersede ego. And that is Capricorn. Even though it's earth, 
it is spiritual in a sense. It has that ability to create earthly magic. And in so many ways, when dreams become reality, it feels magical. And that is really what Capricorn does. So it's really a nice way to start the year because it's earth. It's giving us the ability to ground into our vision and then actually do something about it. That's why so many people say I started the year and I was really good at by like February, March, I fell off definitely by March because then we're getting into airy season when everything switches. But that's why mm. a lot of times we we're so good in January because we've got so much of that rooted earthly Capricorn energy. And then, you know, Aquarius comes in and we want to change things up and Pisces comes in and we're like, I just need to rest, you know? So it, it, it involves, but Definitely. There's a reason why we do start the year with Capricorn, although it might not be the best time of year to begin a new year. Hence mm -hmm. why I mentioned before spring equinox, it still is um, beneficial for the practices and activities that we all participate in at the beginning of the year. Yeah. For the month to be January. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Wow. Yeah. So what do we have? Two more left? Two more. Two more. So all right, we have Capricorn ruled by Saturn, and then we've got Aquarius. Now, this is a time when Saturn rules a lot because Saturn rules over Capricorn, but Saturn also rules over Aquarius. So that's also why winter is very, um, that Saturn energy, that more cold type of energy. Things are hibernating um, and, you know, just figuring out its form and how it's going to show up in the world. So mm -hmm. Aquarius is fixed air it is represented by the water bearer ruled by saturn and traditional or traditionally saturn in modern astrology is also considered ruled by uranus but um both have really good you know interpretations now aquarius is the air that breathes life into capricorn right this is the the intellect the next level thought if if capricorn grounds us into the traditional Aquarius comes to completely shake things up and to give us that idea of uh, stepping outside the box of what could be innovative. So how can we expand and grow in new ways? Um, Aquarius is the sign of the humanitarian being fixed air. This is the air that permeates all air also relates to relationships. So in a lot of ways, this is that very um, connected energy but it's also a very detached energy and this is the kind of the interesting paradox of aquarius it's like detached loner vibes but also i want to save the world and cause a revolution vibes um mm. and so you know how does how do the two kind of play together like why is that well it's kind of like i want to save the world but i don't want to be a part of it and that's really mm. the function of, of Aquarius. Aquarius is actually considered the most intelligent sign of the Zodiac. And I'm not saying that out of any bias because I don't have that much Aquarius at all. But um, if you, you can Google this, I mean, it's a very openly known fact. The reason, though, is because Aquarius is connected to the ether, the ether, which is the energy that is permeating our society, our consciousness. And it also is that etheric energy, that ether energy is what connects us to the cosmos. And so in a lot of ways, Aquariuses are said to have like a direct connection to the cosmos, to that download of direct consciousness. And that's why a lot of times being the sign mm -hmm. of innovation and invention 
and the fact that it's an air sign, which deals with ideas and intellect, Aquariuses are the first ones to get the new idea. The first ones to introduce us to, um, you know, futuristic ways of doing things, new age ways. A lot of, a lot of people say Aquarius rules over futuristic technology. This is AI. Um, a lot of to do with that energy is Aquarius. So Aquarius is very big on, um, you know, changing up the status quo. Um, but again, it doesn't want to be a part of that. It likes its individuality. It likes its independence. This is again, Saturn. So Saturn is not very, you know, mushy, gushy, lovey, dovey. Let's all sing Kumbaya. Saturn is like, we have responsibilities. We have order. We have structure. Aquarius comes in and says, yes, we do. But how could those things evolve for the betterment of society? Aquarius is, mm-hmm. are going to take that information, whatever concept it is, and it will expand it to its most universal idea. So the idea of love gets expanded to like universal love and oneness. And that's why Aquariuses are very idealistic and able to, you know, go out there and, and, and bring about new ideas that completely change the fabric of our society. We just entered the age of Aquarius. We had a huge um, Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Aquarius at the end of 2020. You know, a lot of Aquarius energy right now. We've got Pluto entering Aquarius coming up this year, which is a huge generational shift. Aquarius energy is very, very big on revolution. It's in modern times ruled by Uranus, which is the planet of revolution and rebellion and wanting to basically shock things and rub people the wrong way in order to gain a new result or a new um, situation from something. So, you know, that's really why Aquarius is so important because it does usher in new ideas that previously our society, we didn't have access to. It's like the gatekeeper of consciousness in that sense. It also is thought of to be a water sign. How many people thought Aquarius was a water sign? I did. Yeah, I did too. I did, I did too. Maybe it's the aqua right at the beginning. And it's also the mm-hmm. water bearer. So why? Well, mm-hmm. Aquarius rules over the water that's in the air, the humidity. Mm-hmm. The, and the Party. water... The Thank you. The water and the air, that's what holds ether. That's what holds our thought forms. Thoughts have energy. Where does where does that energy go? Can't be destroyed. So where does it go? It gets transferred to the ether. And Aquarius energy is what's said to govern over that ether. And so that's also why we, a lot of us say, but it's water. Well, no, it's the water bearer. It's holding that energy. And water is very connected to everybody, which Aquarius is. But this is still air, so it's more intellectually based. Like I'm connected to you because I understand we're connected, but on an emotional level, I'm not like warming up to you. But I do want to make sure that we all are, you know, getting what we need, and we're, all of us are being treated fairly, right? That's the important values of Aquarius. So it's like yeah. the cloud. It's, it's like, like the, the cloud. cloud. But interesting enough, I'm like, wow. Well, thank God that Aquarius has that balance of like pretty much being said to be the smartest sign of all the zodiacs and it's not an egotistical like fire sign or something that's like said to be you know like they they are very reserved my my father's an aquarius and so i can see that and the rest of the aquariuses that i have met are very much within that same you know frame so i can i can see that i can definitely see that of like them being in their own space like being aware that the world 
probably need saving, but they're not going to be the ones at the at the front of the the war zone to to do it. They're going to have the idea on what yeah. to do. Yes, exactly. And they can even help create the team to do it. Um, you mentioned ego. Aquarius is opposite of Leo. Leo is all about the individual. Aquarius is all about the collective. Mm. And so complementary, right? Because the individual lives within the collective, but different in terms of what each are here to do, what their value is, what their function is. Aquarius, again, it's that paradox because it's very individual and yet it also, its function is for the collective. But you can't show up. You can't pour from an empty cup. Haha, the water bearer, right? You can't pour from an empty cup. And so Aquarius is, you know, Aquarius is also the truth seeker. Um, Something I heard once that I really like was that Aquarius, that water bearer is Mm -hmm. pouring out the water for the masses, right? That is a part of it so that we all have what we need. But it also is pouring out the water to get to the bottom of the pitcher to see what's at the bottom. Because it wants to understand what's below the surface, the depths, the truths that we all know to be there, but we don't go deep enough. We don't seek enough. That is also what Aquarius is doing. It wants to do that. It wants to understand the the truth of things, which is interesting being that we're in the age of Aquarius and we've got Pluto entering it in March for a few months. That'll be a kick. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let, let's uh, finish up with Pisces and then we can get quickly into what we can expect, you know, um, the rest of the month, at least yeah. in the first half of this year to be it being a year seven. Yes. So seven. it is. Yeah. So the last sign is Pisces and, um, you know, Aquarius is the water bearer and Aquarius is pouring out that stream of water, that stream of Piscean consciousness. And that is what's going on here. So the water is being poured and it's going right to Pisces. And again, Aquarius being so intellectual, so connected to the cosmos and to consciousness, the collective consciousness. That is another reason why Pisces are known to be very um, intuitive and very wise. But I'm jumping ahead of myself. Let's talk about what Pisces is. So Pisces is mutable water. So this is changeable water. This is water that is very um, scattered in a sense. It's taking no form whatsoever. Complete opposite of Scorpio in that way. No form. Um, It is ruled by Jupiter as well. So Jupiter traditionally does rule over two signs, Sagittarius and Pisces. And it's represented by the two fishes. Um, So the two fishes are said to represent the consciousness, one going up towards the light, the other one swimming down towards the darkness. And that's the two-sided coin of Pisces is there is the shadow side, of course, as every sign has, but then there's also the beautiful wise light side. So what is Pisces here for? What is its function? This is water, right? So water is very intuitive, very wise, very receptive. Pisces is the, the universal empath. Consider that Pisces is the last sign. So in order to reach Pisces, we need to move through the entire other 11 energies, all of that frequency. Mm -hmm. And so all of that comes together to create Pisces. And so that's why Pisces has a little bit of every other sign in it. Mm -hmm. Also why Pisces are so empathic. 
I have a Pisces moon, so I will say that there is a huge ability to put yourself in somebody's shoes that you've never walked in. Pisces can, on a very inherent, instinctual level, understand the experience of people, of somebody, without ever having to have lived it themselves. And we can feel that energy because that is the universal waters of Pisces, right? This is the 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 not even just the ether, but this is like the cosmic ether of water that Pisces is just swimming in. Um, Pisces is very dreamy. This is ruled by Jupiter. Jupiter is all about dreams and expansion, but in a water sign, it's about our our dreams, our more so our our dream world, our fantasy world, our imagination. Pisces is so imaginative. It wants to to go and color and paint and and tap into everything that allows it to release its soul's feelings and expression into the world. It's very, very artistic in that sense. Um, Pisces likes mm. to go beyond traditional consciousness. Consider that Pisces is like the sign that's preparing us for the next cycle, which could be the whole another dimension. It could be a whole another frequency band that we haven't, you know, reached yet. And so Pisces is preparing us for that next level consciousness. And so that is also why Pisces loves to go beyond consciousness, altered states of consciousness, all Pisces energy. Um, Pisces <laughs> is like, and again, this relates to drugs, alcohol, and medicines. So mm. this is very big Pisces energy, and we're actually going to be experiencing this soon. So I will talk about it when I talk about Saturn. Um, but Pisces is so dreamy, and I just want to melt into the ether and become one. It's that unity consciousness. And that's also why it's so empathetic, because it understands the law of oneness on a very instinctual level. Pisces are very intuitive. The intuition of Pisces is almost unmatched. Um, if a Pisces in your life says that their gut tells them something, I would really pay attention. I'm not just saying that because I have my moon there. I really need it. I've got other friends that have Pisces, um, some mutual friends of ours, right? They have strong Pisces. And we know that when they say something, yeah. there's usually a good indication that what they say is true and that it's coming from a place that we might not quite see yet, but it is there and it's, it's it, it exists. Um, and Pisces, you know, it likes, this is again, that altered consciousness state. So Pisces energy, especially if you've got a lot of it in your chart, there's an escapist tendency here. Um, Pisces loves to run off into its dream world and just not come back. <laughs> it's like, I'm off on a cloud playing in the ether. Yeah. TTYL. Maybe not. Uh, like, Maybe not. <laughs> won't definitely won't text you back. <laughs> definitely, and I forgot to text you back because you know Pisces is a bit forgetful. Uh, let's just be real; it, it is a bit of a forgetful energy because it's so unconcerned with the practicalities of this world. It's like I'm half yeah. into the next one, so totally. Why totally. am I concerned with what's going on in this 3D reality? I'm already you know, tapping into the spiritual components of the next one that I'm basically ushering us all into. This is the closing of a cycle. Um, and Pisces can come with a lot of heaviness, a lot of sadness. Um, there's a sense of self, like, what's the word? I can't think of the word right now, but Pisces likes to cry. It's like the definition of having a good cry. Kind of like, I don't want to say it like this, but the word that's coming up is like self-loathing. Like it's, it's very emotional, possibly overthinker if, 
you know, I don't no, know how actually, to in a way, it. in a way that's almost a bit more Virgo, Virgo, oh, really? which is opposite of Pisces. So you're like right there. Hmm. It's, it's like, it's not even, it's not going to be critical to itself. It's just more so I want to sit with my emotion and I don't want to leave it. Like, mm. let me cry and let me drown yeah. in, in this okay. and I'm going to drown, but I like it. Because I feel like it's connecting me. You know, Pisces is not, there's not a lot of groundedness underneath Pisces. I actually read once that Pisces, Virgo, and Scorpio come with the most karmic baggage. So if you have a lot of placements in those signs, you have a lot of karma to work through in this incarnation in this lifetime. Um, Pisces, Virgo, Scorpio. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is interesting too, because Pisces and Virgo are opposites, right? They're on the same axis. Um, so mm. interesting. And two of those are also water signs, Scorpio and Pisces. So um, yeah. And so it's like, I want to, I want to sit in my emotions. I, I don't want, I, I'm just going to absorb everything and I'm going to drown in it and I'm going to have myself a good cry. And I don't want to, I don't even want to like move. I just want to escape, put me, you know, put me in the corner and be, like, let me be. Um, there's so a loneliness true. energy here. Yeah. There's a sense of loneliness here with Pisces because again, we're just so in another world that nobody else might be in and it can get a little a little lonely sometimes um pisces energy can struggle with substance abuse pisces energy can definitely you know you have to be aware of that there's a lot of tendencies here to want to just escape into other realms other consciousness so lots of people with pisces energy tend to enjoy plant medicines drugs and alcohol whatever it is that suits you that is typically a tendency or a, a vice that that pisces likes um to go towards mm -hmm. but you know, this is the sign that also is so compassionate that it is connected to nature, to plants, to animals. There's huge compassion here. Um, there's and and be aware if you've got a lot of Pisces energy that you will absorb a lot of other people's energy. This is one sign that needs to work on um, self assurance and mm -hmm. uh, grounding into the sense of self and almost having energetic borders or boundaries or I don't like the word guard, but definitely a filter in front of you so that way you can filter out some of that negative toxic energy as all of us are going to encounter but pisces is more likely to absorb it and make it become theirs without even realizing it if you have pisces energy as i have my moon you might feel something and you might not even, it might not be yours it just it might not be yours you might have you know absorbed this from somebody else and you are now feeling it you are experiencing it and so there's a lot of energy work that comes with Pisces energy because we are holding so much of the cosmic consciousness, all of it, all 11 signs within this one concentrated archetype, one energy pattern. So Pisces is really the one that is wise beyond its years. It's like, you know, the, the, the grandma of the Zodiac that wants to like curl up on the couch with a book and a cup of tea and like, you know, all of the, the soft parts of life. That's very Pisces energy. Again, the shadow side means that, you know, that softness kind of melts <laughs> and it becomes drudgery and it becomes um, a lot of self, like you mentioned, could be self-sabotage, could be a lot of that. Um, I just want to sit and sulk. It could be a very sulking type of energy mm. where I'm just going to. That's the word. Yeah, that, I think that was yeah. the word. Yeah. Yeah. So, but overall though, Pisces is so enlightened and what better sign to to wrap up to culminate the 12 mm. signs that that journey through the zodiac then the one that is water so it's going to connect us emotionally and energetically it'll also cleanse us because if you consider what water does we use it to wash our bodies our food our clothes it cleanses things 
And so to have Pisces as the last sign of the Zodiac, it is cleansing our energy to make space, to make way for Aries. Because keep in mind, right after it comes Aries, and we need Pisces, we need it to prepare Aries and give it that that um, wisdom to begin on a new journey, right? That is what it's here to do. So it prepares us. It also gives us closure and culmination and um, a sense of completion, for sure. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, it's like gone through the whole, like the whole chart and it's just like dragging its feet at the end. Like, okay, just take me. And that's, that's like the energy I feel towards yes. the end with Pisces yes. and then restart all over. Wow. Ooh. Well, I hope you guys were taking notes. Um, you can always go back. And, and I think the most beautiful thing about the description of each not not only element but sign is that everybody's chart is different and you're gonna have you know a little bit of everything in your chart and so going back when you have a chance and actually taking a look at your chart and taking notes of one you know some of the things that sage mentions today is going to be really beneficial for you to see like what planet that sign is in what that means for you um, so yeah, I think you really laid a, a really good foundation here for people to be able to go back to and um, understand themselves a little bit more, a little bit deeper, and the people around them too. It, yes. it creates a lot of understanding and compassion. And honestly, thank God for um, astrology and my willingness to understand, uh, get all the information right that Gemini, um, because it's it's allowed me so much more compassion with, with those around me. And I see it more for what it is rather than what I wish it were to be. Um, mm. And it helps a lot. It really, really does. I think it's one of the keys to, to have like a more joyful and compassionate life. I couldn't agree more. It is enlightening. And also it, it can provide a lot of healing a lot of healing can come from astrology because we're finally able to put form to what we feel. And there's, yeah, there's a sense of safety and security behind that. And, you know, all of us have every, every sign in our chart. If you didn't know that your birth chart has all 12 Zodiac signs, you might have your sun in one sign and your moon in another and you're rising. That's what we call your big three. But a birth chart in astrology contains all 12 zodiacs and all of the planets. And there's a big possibility. I've done chart readings for people who have their sun and moon in one sign and one element and they're rising in another. And I sit down with them and I say, hey, listen, I know that you think you've got a lot of this energy because you are this as your sun, right? You've got a, you know, Aries sun. You think you're a lot of fire. But guess what? You actually have five planets in water. And in so many ways, you actually are more water and more of this sign than even mm -hmm. your sun sign. And so it can unlock a lot of mystery, a lot of understanding, because all of a sudden we're like, wait, there's more depth here. I'm not just this one sun sign, which our pop culture society has trivialized to be all we pay attention to. And that's so wrong. In fact, if you are going to pick anything, pick your rising sign. Um, but that is, that is why it's so beneficial to get a chart reading too, because you can now go beyond the standard 
understandings of your just basic sun, moon, and rising, and you can understand what other energies are influencing that and how that energy is therefore being expressed. Because you might even have the same sun, moon, and rising as somebody, but then other aspects in your chart, other planets on your chart are going to impact the way that energy is expressed. It could be totally different than somebody else with the same big three as you. So that's something else mm -hmm. to pay attention to. And I do offer birth chart readings. So if anybody is interested, definitely go to my Instagram and um, you can always book a birth chart reading there because there's so much wisdom, depth, and healing that can come from those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. So much okay. wisdom, so much knowledge. Um, yeah, so just to wrap us up, close us off with some some knowledge of this year and something that we could expect or yeah some energy that we can prepare for i guess yeah so um we'll do the cliff notes version for purposes of time but definitely um some major stuff to pay attention to for 2023 this is a universal seven year seven is the number of wisdom and soul searching and self-seeking um analysis and research and more so going inward right it's preparing us for an eight year which is next year that'll be the year of achievement and ambition and success but lots of retrograde energy to start the year lots of um reflective energy so take your time whenever you're listening to this especially if this is still within the january time or even early february now entering into march this is when things really pick up for 2023 and this is really what we need to pay attention to we have two major planetary shifts taking place that are not just affecting us on a personal level <clears throat> although they are but also on a major collective worldly level. So the first one is Saturn. Saturn is the planet of rules and restriction and boundary and structure and form. Saturn is basically the gatekeeper to the matrix. Saturn is what gives the matrix life and it, it what it is basically. And so Saturn transits through, meaning it moves through a zodiac sign for roughly two, two and a half to three years. As it does this, um, it takes it, it basically shifts a lot of our societal structures. Now, the sign that it's in is going to tell us the energy and the themes that are going to come up as this happens. So we've had Saturn in Aquarius since March 21st, 2020. We all know what happened in 2020. Um, <laughs> so that, of course, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of astrological um, correlations to what happened in 2020 a lot mm. um and so saturn entered aquarius and it stayed there up until now so up in a few months on march 7th 2023 saturn will finally be leaving aquarius now if you are somebody with aquarius in your as your saturn your saturn and aquarius in your birth chart that also means that you are wrapping up on your saturn return if you want to understand more about that definitely do more research on it I don't have as much time to go into it now, but I have done um, Instagram lives where I've talked about it. So you can always go back and listen to that too. Mm -hmm. Now we're entering Saturn into Pisces. This starts on March 7th and it lasts until May 24th, 2025. Whoa. So yeah, so this is a two and a half ish year cycle. And let's look at Saturn and Aquarius really quick. Saturn was in Aquarius from March, 2020, all the way until basically this upcoming March. So Saturn and Aquarius made us restructure our society when it comes to technology. What happened in 2020? Everybody went online. 
our entire culture, our entire society, in fact, the entire world as a whole shifted mm -hmm. to the online space. Aquarius is known to rule over the internet. Aquarius also, Saturn was in Aquarius when the World Wide Web was created back in the late 90s. Saturn moves through a sign and it moves the, through the entire zodiac, all the 12 zodiac signs every 12 to 13 years. So it takes a while for Saturn to make its way back. Um, or sorry, not 12 to 13 years. That was totally wrong. 30 years. I'm thinking of a mm. different planet. 30 years. I stand corrected. So Saturn moves through all the 12 zodiac signs. It takes 30 years. So when it returns back to that zodiac sign, we call it a Saturn return. So the last time Saturn was in Aquarius was back at the late 90s. Now, Saturn being in Aquarius, again, it brought a huge revolution of technology, of innovative ways of connecting with people. Aquarius being an air sign, all about, you know, social. this is, this is a lot to do with social media. We saw a lot of shifts with social media. TikTok became a popular thing. Um, so new social medias became popular. We saw the rise of AI. We saw the metaverse take root. We saw um, just a few years ago, while Saturn was at its height in Aquarius, everybody was getting the Oculus for Christmas. And we were stepping into this AI augmented reality. And by the way, sneak peek, that's only the start because another planet's going to be continuing that on. But Saturn was in Aquarius and it brought about all of this new age tech, right? All of these um, and a lot, also a lot of discussion about equality. Black Lives Matter became a new thing um, because, again, Aquarius deals with human rights and social equality and, and humanity. Now Saturn moves into Pisces, and this is going to be in effect for the next couple of years. Um, Saturn is the planet of form and structure and boundaries. And Pisces is the sign of formlessness and boundlessness and no structure. While Saturn is material and physical, Pisces is spiritual and etheric. So these are two very, very different signs. And it's interesting to note, by the way, that Saturn moved through two Saturn-ruled signs over the last four years. Ever since 2018, Saturn was in a, a Capricorn and then in Aquarius. So both signs are ruled by Saturn, meaning there was a lot of hard stuff our society had to work through. There was a lot of cold, hard restructuring that we needed to face and do something about now Saturn moving into Pisces, things get a little bit more scattered. Pisces is a water sign. It's going to connect us, right, on an, on an emotional human level. Saturn is all about how we work within the matrix, how we work within society. So, you know, we're putting structures to Pisces themes. So what does this mean? Drugs, medicine, alcohol, whatever vices people use in order to alter their consciousness, we're going to see mm -hmm. most likely a big societal restructuring of how we treat these medicines. So if you ask me, cannabis, mushrooms for therapy, all of that will more than likely become prevalent as we step into this Saturn and Pisces era. So we're going to start to take all of these ways that we've been altering our consciousness, all these Pisces themes, and we're going to basically just find ways to implement them into our structure of society into our societal mm. framework. Mm. And this also could mean pharmaceuticals. You know, Saturn transits also like to remove things, removing waste and excess and asking us to take responsibility. So this could also mean that pharmaceuticals and pills and prescription drugs, suddenly we start to see the impacts of those. Suddenly we're now questioning if we need those and maybe can we bring in more Piscean types of um, medicines like psychedelics like cannabis, like plant medicine, and infuse that within our society. So that's one thing. 
The next is Pisces is very connected to art. So we are very likely to see a huge infusion of art in our society. Um, imagination is becoming more important. Lots of good imaginative works come when Pisces, when Saturn's in Pisces. So expect to see our structure of society leaning more on the arts, on the performing arts, on the creative arts, on the visual arts. This could be with um, AI. This could be with graphic design. I know a lot of people were doing those Lensa pictures, very Saturn and Pisces. Um, when everybody was making themselves into an avatar, that could be a very Saturn and Pisces energy where we suddenly take on this persona of an avatar. Um, Pisces also deals a lot with chemicals. Just chemicals in general is very Piscean. And so chemicals, this can relate to pesticides. This can relate to the toxins in our air, our environment, the products we use, the water we drink, the food we eat. All of this is likely to see a restructuring as Saturn moves through Pisces. Again, Saturn likes to take things, restructure them, get rid of what we don't need and make it in the sense that we can actually use it in our day-to-day -day life, in our world, in our matrix. How can we take Pisces and make it matrix? That's going to be happening up until 2025. This is also the sign of human connection. And with Saturn influencing us here, we're being shown the physical example of our connection with each other, but also our connection with, with nature. Pisces is connected to the natural world. It's very connected to nature. When Saturn is in Pisces, suddenly the real life, that really stark reality, that material awareness of how we are interacting with our physical, natural world is going to become apparent. It's like, oh, wait, um, we're actually killing the environment. And no, this isn't some like dream fantasy thing. This is actually happening. So mm -hmm. we also might see a restructuring of environmental law, new ways that we can help our world, our, our society, maybe looking at our soil, looking at our the way we grow our food, looking at all of those things and considering how they can be restructured and more in that Piscean era of connectedness and understanding that law of oneness. So, you know, and Neptune's also in Pisces, by the way. Neptune is the planet of confusion and disillusionment. And so there's going to be a lot of blurring the lines of what's real and what's not. And so this is mm -hmm. definitely the start of metaverse, AI, augmented reality. It can be good, but it can have a shadow side. So it's definitely something to pay attention to. Definitely. All right. Um, I think the only one I really want to touch on last um, is mm -hmm. Pluto. So that is Pisces. Okay. Um, and that is Saturn and Pisces. Now, Pluto, Pluto is the planet of transformation. Pluto is the planet of um, regeneration. This is destruction and creation all in one. Pluto will come in and destroy things and make way and create anew. Pluto takes a long time to go through a sign. Pluto will take about anywhere from 12 to 30 years in one sign, which also means wow. that this is a generational planet. This is a planet of, um, of, of societal influence, but being that Pluto is so far out into the universe, it more so rules like the underbelly, that undertone or undercurrent of our society. Mm. And yet it's so, so, so powerful. Pluto and Aquarius, again, this is the energy of how our society is going to change big time. Pluto actually is the definitive planet of generations. If you want to understand what generation you're a part of and what the current generation of babies being born are, look at Pluto because Pluto actually can define generations. So really quickly, um, baby boomers, this was Pluto and Leo between the years 1939 and 1958. Then we had Pluto move into Libra. This was Gen X. All right, I skipped over Virgo, but 
This was Libra. Then this was starting in 1971 to 1983. Um, then, this is really where it matters. So then we had 1983 to 1995. This is the millennial generation. This is Pluto in Scorpio. So if you are a millennial, you have Pluto in Scorpio. If you're born between the years 1983 and 1995, this is what generation you're a part of. I'm a 1995 baby, and I've always said I'm a millennial, but this really was a stark uh, hit in the face because I am not a millennial. Um, but Pluto and Scorpio, really interesting. This was Scorpio rules over the reproductive system, a lot to do with like the sexuality of our culture. When Pluto entered Scorpio and between the years 1983 and 1995, this was when we had the AIDS epidemic. This is also the rise of pornography. So really interesting wow. to note that hmm. Pluto, when we look at it generationally, we can see certain themes emerge based upon whatever sign it's in. So, you know, Pluto and Leo back when the baby boomers were coming up, this was when a lot of like the big leaders, the prideful leaders were like taken down. Again, Pluto is going to destroy things. So when Pluto entered Scorpio, it destroyed a lot of the narrative around sex um, and it changed this and it created a lot of shadow work around sex and a lot of the, you know, the alternative side of this. We start to see that when Pluto moves through a sign. Um, mm. Then from 1995, so if you're a 95 baby, up until 2008, this is Gen Z. This is Pluto and Sagittarius. So if you look at your birth chart and you have Pluto and Sagittarius, you are Gen Z. Now, this is interesting. Pluto and Sagittarius, I talked about Sagittarius, right? This is the sign of expansion and information and um, spirituality. And so we've seen a huge rise of new age spirituality as Gen Z has grown up, as this Pluto and Sag generation has come into age. Um, this is a lot to do with conspiracy theories. A lot of this has also emerged as Pluto has been transiting through Sagittarius. Sagittarius is also um, represented by the bow and arrow, the archer. And this is wielding fire, right? We're, we're literally pulling back the bow and we're shooting, right? We're, we're aiming towards something. Mm -hmm. The bow and arrow is the original firearm, the original, you know, gun, basically. Mm -hmm. And we've had a lot of gun violence ever since. Um, well, really, that's when it started, I, I should say, because 95 was the first school shooting. That was Columbine. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Ah. So that Dude. also is a huge theme that emerged. Not such a good one, but this is something, this is a, a societal yeah. theme that emerged. Um, this is the shadow work, right? Pluto is going to show us our bigger fears or show us where we need to transform things. This is when school shootings became a lot more prevalent um, and gun violence became a lot more prevalent. This is also during the years 95 to 2008, we had 9-11, we had the war on terror. This was also when terrorism and fear of foreign lands became really prominent. Sagittarius rules over foreign lands. And so this fear of travel, this fear of, I, I, I don't, I, you know, firearms and gun violence and all of this happening, you know, in other lands, how that's affecting me, how that's affecting our culture. We had the fear of terrorists, of people that are foreign entering into our culture and our society. All of that was Pluto and Sag. Whoa. Really interesting. Yeah. And again, anybody born during 90, from 95 to 2008, this is part of that generation, Gen Z. This is the generation that's now, right now, taking over TikTok, taking over all of this. And so it's also this huge push towards expansion and, and learning and 
and enlightenment. And that's why astrology has also taken a lot more um, rise over the years because this generation, Gen Z, we've really expanded into more new age philosophies, more new age spirituality as Sagittarius has asked us to do. So then we had 2008 from 2000 up until now. So at, in 2008, Pluto left the sign it was in of Sagittarius and it entered into Capricorn. And so from 2008, all the way up until this year, Pluto has been in Capricorn. What happened in 2008? What happened to our society and our world? We had a money crash. We had a crash. (laughs) Pluto will come and destroy things to create new. What happened in 2008? We had an economic crash. We completely restructured our government, our monetary system. Beginning in 2008, and oftentimes what happens at the beginning of a Pluto transit, it will color the rest of it. So what happened at the very beginning of 2008, that affected us for the next 15 to 20 years or whatever it's been, I don't even know, 13 years, something like that, ever since 2008. So that happened, and then we got cryptocurrency, right? And then we got this new restructuring of our monetary system. In fact, the white paper, I think that's what it's called, um, or I think it's the white paper. If somebody's listening and I'm wrong, please correct me. But um, that was first published for Bitcoin back in the very beginning, like 2008. And it wasn't until later on, right, 2018 or so, that it really took off. But what started there continued on and it kind of grew and grew and grew. But that was really Pluto and Capricorn. We saw a lot of the distribution of wealth and power, which is very Capricorn energy. We saw a lot of um, restructuring of that, a lot of the, this whole idea of, you know, the 1%, the trickle down and, you know, the, the distribution of wealth and power. And a lot of us saw that it wasn't fair anymore. A lot of us were realizing, oh, my gosh, you know, this is this is not what we thought it was. Right. That's Pluto and Capricorn. Now, Pluto enters Aquarius in March, on March 23rd, 2023. OK, it is dipping into Aquarius for three months only. It'll be there until June of this year. Um, and if, this is going to be a long transit of Pluto and Aquarius. Pluto will enter into Aquarius in March of on March 23rd, 2023 of this year. It'll stay there for three years. It will then retrograde back into Capricorn until January. And at that point, it will stay in Aquarius until 2044. So we are having every baby born pretty much for the next 20 years. We'll have Pluto and Aquarius. This is a huge, this is why I say that 2023 is a very historical year. Mm-hmm. Any year that's marked by a Pluto transit, meaning Pluto moving science, guys, Pluto does not move. Pluto takes 248 years to move through the entire Zodiac. We only experience two to three Pluto signs in a lifetime. Lifetime. Mm-hmm. And so also look at where you've got Pluto in your chart and also look at where you've got Capricorn and now where you have Aquarius, because that's also going to show you where things are transforming in your life. I should have also said this, but Saturn is the same. Look at where you've had Aquarius and now Pisces. Um, And it's interesting because right as Saturn leaves Aquarius in March, on March 7th, Saturn leaves Aquarius, March 23rd, Pluto enters Aquarius. So wherever you have Aquarius in your chart, a lot of work is being done there. So just a heads up. And if you are an Aquarius, lots of transformations happening. So Pluto and Aquarius, what does this represent? Well, number one, the Pluto and Sagittarius generation, those of us born between 95 and 2008, over the next 20 years, we will be taking over. This will be the generation that starts to have more power. 
And this is going to bring a new sense of possibility and belief systems because Sagittarius loves new belief systems. Pluto and Aquarius is all about AI. Again, Aquarius is AI. This is augmented reality. This is new age tech. This is the metaverse. This is um, Neuralink. This is the chips. And this is a lot of to do with the conversations that we're going to start to have. And it's it could be scary. Pluto is going to make us face our fears. If we're afraid of machines and robots overtaking our society, be ready. Be ready because Pluto is going to, of course, it aligns with Aquarius right now. There's no accidents. There's a reason why this has become a topic of conversation and it's only leading us into Pluto and Aquarius. What happens now will color the next 20 years. So all the new developments in AI, all the new developments in augmented realities and um, new tech that's more, you know, biotech, right? Where we're starting to put the technology into our bodies. This is going to start to take note and to take root. Um, we're also Aquarius is all about humanity and social rights and social justice. This is a good thing because we're also going to see a huge destruction of a lot of the typical societal norms that keep us very um, separate, very divided. Suddenly we're going to start to see a huge influx of human rights, LGBTQ, um, equality, women's rights. All of this is going to become a lot more prevalent as Pluto moves through Aquarius because it's asking us to not be so traditional. Pluto being in Capricorn was like, let's look at the tradition. Let's look at how everything is tried and true. Aquarius comes in. It's like, but let's take this to the next level. Let's go a little bit more beyond and let's in innovate and let's invent new ways of doing things. It might not be comfortable, right? We've got a 20 year period where just like Pluto and Capricorn destroyed our entire government system, our entire monetary system. We had the collapse. We had all these student loans. We had mortgage crises. All of this was Pluto and Capricorn. We ended it with COVID with a global pandemic where we were all, the government was clearly showing itself, right? This is all very Pluto and Capricorn. And now we enter Aquarius and it's like, all right, it's time to level the playing field. It's time to step into that more equality type of energy where we're going to have a lot more revolutions. Last time Pluto was in Aquarius was the late 1800s. And that was also the time of the industrial revolution and the French revolution. So a lot of revolution is on the horizon. This could be a lot to do with AI and rise of technology, self-driving cars, you know, robots. They're starting to implement robots in the police force and in our bodies mm -hmm. and with our children mm -hmm. and in schools. And how are we working with this? There's a fear here that Pluto is asking us to, to look at. And there's a very real possibility that things are going to be destroyed and made harder before they improve and before they get better. Consider, again, 2008, our financial system crashed. But by 2018, we had cryptocurrency booming. And so that's really the beautiful part of Pluto is just like there's, you know, death in life. It's the same two sides of the same coin, right? We might see a lot of destruction, but that's only going to make way for a lot new creation to come. Um, and again, we've got a whole new generation of babies being born with a new Pluto in, in Aquarius, which means a whole new generation is starting and they will eventually take over the world. So we're going to eventually see the repercussions of whatever happens now in 50, 60, 70 years from now. So a lot of happenings in 2023, a lot of shifts going on, but a lot of good stuff too. You know, a lot of um, possibility. So that's definitely going to be happening. Mm. Yeah, just letting that sit. And facing facing any of that fear, I know it, it definitely comes up for me, but I think it's really like finding the innovative way of using that into what we need change for like 
instead of using it for the bad, let's use it for the good because everything has that duality. And yeah, I, I'm definitely going to sit with that one for, for a bit. <laughs> Thank you for that insight and for taking your time and being with us today and explaining all of this. Um, yeah, we see you, we hear you. Thank you for being here. Um, guys, if you haven't already checked Sage out, she does weekly astrology forecast readings. This is like changed the game for me. Um, I make sure that at the, like every week I try to tune in and really take my notes because there's a lot of really good insight. And then of course, if you have any questions, you can always reach out to Sage. Uh, she also does birth chart readings. Sage, where can we find you if we want, if we're interested in any of that? Yeah, so my Instagram is at the sage s a i g e dot one o n e. I'm also on TikTok, same name, the sage one, and um, I do have a link right in my Instagram bio. If anybody's interested, I offer birth chart readings. I also offer couples compatibility readings and new and full moon lunar readings. So if you're interested in anything like that, definitely hit me up. Sophia, thank you so much for creating this space. You are amazing. This podcast is awesome. And I'm just so grateful that you invited me on and created the container for all of the wisdom to come through. So thank you so much. You're awesome. And I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for seeing me as well. So grateful. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Connected Through Spirit. Catch us soon. Bye.